You're listening to Club Thrive, the podcast with me, Kate Sterling. The podcast that helps ambitious, creative women stop surviving so they thrive personally and professionally. Improve your self-belief, your confidence, and dare to be seen, heard, and valued just the way you are. Hello and welcome to this episode of Club Thrive, the podcast with me, Kate Sterling. It's absolutely amazing to have you here. Thank you for listening as always. I truly appreciate it. I've had some lovely messages over the last week about previous episodes and what I would like to say is that do feel free to share this with um, any gender and it's, I know I kind of talk about this podcast being for women, but really you know, the messages messages I've had this week have really resonated with a couple of you that perhaps see yourself or identify as different genders and whatever. And um, this, you know, there's the stuff we talk about in this podcast really can resonate for anyone. Um, it's just that that is the area of work I have kind of found myself in. But please do feel free to share with anyone that you feel could benefit from having their confidence and their self-belief and their self-esteem boosted. And if you're someone as well that, um, you know, is kind of listening and and experiences these challenges and thank you for being here um I really appreciate it and I think it's really important for us all to remember that actually we're so connected and so similar in so many ways even if we do identify as you know whoever it is and whatever it is and whatever we do for jobs and and our backgrounds and what and you know whatever we're all actually humans <laughs> at the end of the day we're all so much more similar than perhaps what we think we are at times and even though many of us have had our individual challenges and obviously you know being quite honest as a white privileged woman I've had a very different experience from someone who is from you know racially uh, ethnic minority or a different background that's faced discrimination that I haven't had to experience and I'm always I've said this in a previous episode but always I'm I think I make these topics more awkward than I need to because I'm trying so hard to make sure I'm inclusive <laughs> so if I do ever say anything that is not aligned with any of that please do let me know so I can correct myself anyway thank you so much for listening thank you for your rates your reviews your shares I do appreciate it keep doing it go to the little like star tab on Spotify and just hit you know five preferably um or apple podcasts and if you have time to leave a you know 10 15 second quick paragraph or sentence of of your feedback that'd be great just so that we can keep spreading the word anyway um right how are you i hope you're well um not in a holly willoughby kind of i hope you're okay type of way but i do hope you're okay um, I've had a couple of funny weeks actually, which I haven't mentioned yet on the podcast because I've been kind of waiting for things to just be settled and to know, but a couple of weeks ago, I'm just going to, by the way, I do meant, I'm just going to talk about for a little bit, um, some health considerations that I've put it as a little bit of a trigger warning in the notes, just in case. Um, but I'm just about to kind of touch on a story that doesn't end in cancer, but talks about cancer. So if it's something you want to skip, just skip forward a couple of minutes. Um, but anyway, a couple of weeks ago, I found a lump in my armpit and I uh, immediately, I didn't freak out, but I was like, oh, that's not normal. And I've not felt that before. And um, I, I kind of kept it to myself for a couple of days because I was also trying to figure out how to mention it to my partner. And it came out in that way, you know, when you're trying to, you know, you need to kind of say it. And it comes out in that really awful way of making it way like what I was just talking about, really. You end up going around, beating around the bush so much that just if you could just be more direct, if I could just be more direct sometimes, it would save me so much stress and energy and um, communication challenges. This has been something I've worked on for a long time. I'm not very good at being direct, um, which is funny, really, because, you know, as a PT and a coach, I kind of you you are very I'm very directive. So. It's funny that this discomfort with confrontation has been something I've had to overcome really personally. Um, and that's, you know, because of all sorts of things. I don't like arguments. I don't like people being unhappy. I don't like people being sad. But actually, sometimes we just need to say what we need to say. So, and when you do, that's, you know, ironically, that's again, a lot of the work that I do now with, with clients is helping them to find their voice so that they can really say the things that they want to say. So, 
anyway, you know, we can coach these things and still find them a challenge in our personal life. And that's super important to remember as well. It's why coaches have coaches. It's why I continue to invest in my own <laughs> um, so that I can continue to get better or be better. But anyway, so yes, I was skirting around how to tell Warren, my partner, for a couple of days. And it ended up coming up, you know, at the worst time, just before we go to sleep. And bless him, like, you know, he like you would do if you kind of your partner tells you they found a lump in their boob basically in their in their armpit you can you kind of go to the worst case scenario and because I have a history of it in my family um breast cancer it's something that I am always slightly you know a bit more conscious of because um well because I need to be and because I want to be and because I've I've seen um the repercussions of what happens when you have it and so I promised that I think it was probably going into a weekend as well. So I was like, I'll call the GP on Monday. And on Monday, I did call the GP. But oh my God, there was like 13 people in the waiting list and a 30-minute queue before I could speak to anyone. And then there were no appointments for a month. And um, and I was like, okay, well, I don't really want to wait a month for a GP appointment to then be referred on. You know, this is the situation. I've, I've, had, a, I've had a lump investigated before. It runs in the family. I would really like to not have to wait a month and like bless the um the receptionist you know they I had to then fill in a form and luckily I was seen a few days later by the GP who kind of pretty much reassured me that she didn't think there was anything to worry about but that she would refer me on to the clinic anyway and then you know you get referred to the clinic and then the clinic has a cancellation so you're then pushed back another 10 days and I mean we are so fortunate to have the NHS um and so uh, because they did they did then rebook it in and I think there's a policy that they try and see you within two weeks which is incredible we're so fortunate that we have that and um, so that was today basically and the reason I shared this is because there were a couple of moments where I allowed my brain to really go a little bit down the path of oh my god what is the worst case scenario here and obviously the worst case scenario in any sort of situation like that is really not very nice and it really I actually felt scared I had these one or two moments where I was like I don't know if it's actually worse now since having a daughter, but I kind of saw the whole life, <laughs> my life flash before my eyes. And this whole concept of like, oh my God, but if I, you know, what if I, what if I, what if it's untreatable and I pass away and, um, and Warren and Sienna are left and they get to enjoy this life and I'm not there to see it. And I haven't achieved all the things I want to achieve. And, and the thought of it, I was really surprised by how much I felt and actually what I've come to learn over the last couple of years and I was talking about this with a friend the other day is that during my divorce because I felt so I felt so much I had so much pain and so much grief and so much um, confusion about who I was and what I was doing in my life and you know with the depression everything like that over the years I learned to dissociate a little bit from myself and from my feelings to be able to handle them and this is something that I learned about when I did at my um, NLP training um and it's why I went into Explore NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which is all about how we think and the perception of the world and the beliefs that we have and our um, kind of intentions that our brain has based in positive psychology, but also just, you know, neuroscience. And I realised that in overcoming a lot of the challenges that I'd experienced through divorce and my eating disorder and whatever, that I'd self-taught myself NLP really without realising it. I developed these coping mechanisms, damn not being the one that invented it or designed it because, you know, I was onto a winner there. I didn't realise I'd actually invented something that had already been existing as a as a concept and as something to, to use. Um, but I discovered about dissociation, about being able to separate ourselves from kind of living within ourselves. So it's almost like you are able to then watch yourself like a bird's eye view or like your life is panning out on a screen. And it's a very useful way to deal with emotion. It's a very useful way to deal with things like behavior change. So I used it a lot when I was overcoming my comfort eating phases where I couldn't stop kind of comfort eating late at night. Basically, I would use it as a tactic to separate myself from the situation so I could then almost control or strategize how to move out of the comfort eating phase and basically over the years I think I have dissociated to a point where I still feel things but I've noticed even as a parent that um, sometimes I don't feel as much as perhaps what other people would I still have anxiety and I still have fears and I still worry 
but I'm not as connected in some ways like I would have been had I not gone through everything that I experienced after my divorce. I think as a, I'm a I think I'm a highly sensitive person. I think I feel a lot. I wear my heart on my sleeve. And for me, it became a way of controlling my emotions. It became a way of being able to to show up in the world um, as me, as um as a person I needed to be to be able to coach others, as a person I needed to be in sessions in the rain when I didn't want to be there, where I had to be happy for people in PT group training sessions, for example. It enabled me to really separate myself from what I was truly feeling. And when I discovered these lumps or this lump and I kind of um, started to explore it in my brain, I felt a lot. Like it was a very big feeling. And um and so I knew right then that I, and you know, from experience as well and from the coaching that I've had and from how I coach now, we don't know what we don't know. We can't control the things that we can't control. There is absolutely no point in my mind to create a situation that hasn't even happened yet. There's no point in me imagining myself in chemotherapy, for example, if I haven't even been diagnosed with having a lump that's nothing to worry about. But our brains don't operate like that. They kind of explore these options because they're also used to you know troubleshooting and problem solving and so in a way it's a source of comfort because it's it makes us feel like we're prepared for any situation but actually that can be a huge source of anxiety and stress and so um I decided to not allow myself to to go down that road but in those moments when I I did explore it and I did consider it and I was like holy shit pardon my French what if this is my life and it's gonna end now And it was really affirming because I kind of also thought in that moment, like, well, this is it. Like I have got in those moments when I think about that, I had nothing to lose. And I also appreciated how much our health is to us. Without our health, we have nothing. And I thought about this last year as well after I had to have knee surgery. Um, I had this ongoing issue with my knee for a long time. I'd had it reconstructed years ago. I tore a ligament in it. And, you know, when I was at uni, like 20 years ago nearly, had to have it reconstructed. And I injured it again, coaching a session, oh God, I don't know, five, six years ago. And had all sorts of misdiagnoses, really, because I had to push for an MRI and then the results didn't show properly what was going on. And so I was off a physio. And then I had surgical appointments that kind of, asked me where I wanted them to look and I didn't have a clue because I don't want someone going in there based on my judgment I don't know um and so I put it on hold and requested to to be seen at a different hospital and long story short I ended up having that surgery last year and it, it you know it showed that actually the knee was way worse than what anyone expected and I had to have a lot more work done than what they'd they'd thought I would have to have done and I woke up after the hospital um, after the uh surgery in a brace being told I couldn't walk for six weeks I had to be on crutches and at the time you know Sienna was four or five months old was just starting to crawl and in you know at the end of it I I remember the first shower I had 10 days after the surgery and I have never felt so incredible in my whole life because I'd been (laughs) I hadn't been able to really have a proper shower I'd been washing my feet in bowls I'd been using like towels to wash myself And it made me realise that even with this injury that I'd lived with for five, six years, I'd still taken my body for granted. You know, hobbling in and out of the shower, not being able to put my foot down um, and and feeling that clean, warm water, feeling fresh, realising I was lucky to even have my arms to help me get in and out of the water, lucky to even have the water, lucky to even have crutches to help me move around, lucky to have a partner, lucky to have a body that was still working in other ways. These moments make us really appreciate what we have. And so today when I, you know, I went to this appointment to have this lump checked and I, you know, they referred me for an ultrasound and thank goodness everything is fine. But what has come out of that is this, again, this real realisation that actually, you know, anything can happen short, you know, at very short notice. Things can change. We can lose um, control of many things without realising it. And actually... We hold back a lot for fear of stuff going wrong or for fear of judgment and for fear of kind of being seen as we are. And it's a very long-winded way of coming to this episode this week of finding confidence in yourself and your body so that you can exercise when you have no confidence, time, motivation or self-belief. And really, I know I've gone off on a very massive tangent there, but 
it's very important to give the context because you probably will have had a similar story in your life, maybe, you know, on a completely different level, maybe more on an injury or maybe even after having a baby where your body has felt different or you've had a time where you have realised how lucky you are to have your body. Like I remember after my knee surgery, using crutches to get anywhere, there were shops I just couldn't go into because they were totally inaccessible. And likewise, even just pushing Sienna around in a pram, I'm like, oh my God, you know, even just walking into a shop with stairs, I can't do that with a pram. How does anyone in a wheelchair cope? And it really made me realise how much I take for granted just being able to walk around. And I think this is one of the big points to start with is that actually we, I think at times, assume that in order to be fit and active and to be happy and confident in our bodies, we have to be doing high level stuff all the time. And that is just not true we don't necessarily always understand our bodies like the scientific nature of a human body is quite incredible and there's a lot to take in there and I think sometimes that can cause that dissociation because we don't when we're not happy in our body as well we don't necessarily feel connected to it we don't feel a part of it we don't feel like we understand it we don't feel like we're friends with it we don't feel like we like it very much at times we don't feel like it's doing what we want it to do and we can give it and us a really hard time And this is something that came out as well from my journey with anorexia, overcoming an eating disorder when I was 16 or 17. And also, you know, the knee injury I had when I was at uni 20 years ago, I broke my arm about a month after having that knee surgery. All these things with our bodies that kind of, and you know, they heal and we just pick ourselves up and we carry on. Like even after having Sienna, this this realisation that, oh my God, like, will I ever be able to hold my pelvic floor ever again? Will I ever be able to stop a wee ever again? Because actually your body changes on such a level that it's it's actually a bit scary until you start to realise, oh, actually I can, I can heal that. I can kind of do the rehab. I can do the physio and that's okay. And the challenge comes when we maintain that disconnect or we have that dissociation from our physical body, from our, from our emotions, even if it's been how we've dealt with situations, which is totally fine. I'm still an emotional person. It doesn't mean I don't feel stuff. I feel stuff all the time. But it's something that I'm now conscious of with the dissociation of feeling and um, and honesty that sometimes I can palm things off and be like, oh, yeah, no, it's fine because I am so good at dealing with stuff. You know, I, because of the fear as well of um, not going back to really dark places, I think that can stop us from facing up to the things we're truly feeling because actually we're all right we're okay, we're kind of getting on with life. And yes, we're unhappy sometimes and we make choices that that kind of mask that unhappiness, whether it's with comfort eating, or with alcohol or with not exercising or Netflix or whatever, or we go the other way and we over-exercise and we under-eat and we have a very restrictive versus binge cycle with our food and our nutrition and even our thoughts. It's their coping mechanisms, they're how we deal with situations. And the whole link with confidence comes into pretty much, I'm sure, every episode of this podcast, because that's essentially what I do now. I help people improve their confidence and their self-belief through their own choices and, um, you know, mindset shifts. Because for me, this all comes from our perception of ourselves, from how you think about yourself, from the relationship you have with yourself, from that relationship you have with your inner voice, that inner voice that says, oh, it's not worth it, or God, can't believe you didn't do that again you know, the voice that gives us a hard time, um, the inner critic, the the kind of voice that is also sometimes our best mate that's got us really far along along the way, you know, that has really pushed us and said, come on, you can do better than that. And this is why it's complicated when we have these inner voices and these kind of inner dialogues that we have, because actually we're on the same side, but it's like you've got this internal argument or this internal battle going on sometimes where you've got one half of you that's saying well go on go and do that workout and another half of you that's saying well what's the point and so you know it's about building that trust within yourself to and I know it sounds so it like it's it sounds so conceptual to even talk about this because we're talking about things that can be associated with slightly strange behaviour talking to yourself you know someone might be like well what what do you mean you're schizophrenic and it's not the same as that Um, But ultimately, we have these inner dialogues and we have these inner voices and messages and beliefs that can dictate our experiences in life. And without facing up to them, without discovering them, and without exploring them, without saying, "Okay, hello, all the parts inside of me, how are we going to work together to make the best 
fucking team that has ever existed in this world because that is the only way we are going to make those goals happen. That is the only way we are going to move through this difficult time. That is the only way we're going to get up that mountain is by digging deep but also helping each other out. And this is what I do when I work with people is, is you know, we explore all these different parts and we understand which part is louder and which part is softer and which part we may, you might want to turn up and which part you might want to train a little bit more. Maybe there's one part of your of you, of your thoughts, of your, the, the you know, the words that you're saying to yourself that is really trying hard to be like, no, come on, come on. And then the other voice is like, yeah, no, but I told you like 50 times already, there's no point. And then that, you know, the voice that's trying to do the good job, that's trying to really encourage you, goes, yeah, all right then. Well, you know, I don't mind really, because actually it's quite nice to sit on the sofa and just watch another episode of whatever and we'll bung a pizza in the oven and, you know, we'll just chill. And these are all fine things, but the challenge comes when you're, you're still feeling rubbish because it's been hard to perhaps change your perception of exercise or movement or, your, or yourself. And so this is why today I'm going to really focus on exercise and um, and how it can help you improve confidence. And um, the, the challenge with, sorry, I'm on that funny chair again, if you just heard that weird little squelch. You probably didn't, but now you will. The challenge with exercise is that we are so conditioned to think it is associated with a specific physical and aesthetic outcome based on social media or celebrities or films or TV or things that we've read or things that we've seen or our friends or our family and everything that we're told is good and how you should look like versus actually the realities of normal life. And so what I can tell you from someone that went to 37 uh, kilograms, not 37, so 37 kilograms, six stone as an anorexic individual I was still unhappy in that body and I was skin and bone so what I would say to you is that actually it doesn't matter how big or small you are until you start to accept yourself you are never going to be happy and that sounds like a really hard brash way of saying it and it's a journey and take a lifetime with it keep exploring it every week is completely different you are going to have curveballs that come up in your life that knock you sideways um hopefully not too many of them but it's just life there is never going to be a quiet time. There is never going to be, you know, the best time. There is never going to be the time that is going to set everything up for you because something is always going to be there. There's always going to be an unexpected bit of news or there's always going to be a party or there's always going to be a holiday or there's always going to be a challenge at work or a challenge in your personal life. And so when we start to give ourselves that compassion and that realisation and that awareness as well that life does not follow our own linear decisions, it, I mean, it can to an extent based on what we choose to, you know, how we choose to spend our time, but ultimately, there is a lot that is outside of our control. So we also have to then focus on what is in our control. And a lot of what in it is in our control is our mindset, our perception of the world, the story that we tell ourselves, the story that we um, write for ourselves um, or yourself, and the whole strategy and decision-making process that you have around the things that can help you feel your very best. And then the challenge comes when you've got that inner voice that perhaps has been knocked sideways and the confidence is knocked and you feel different in your body or you've had some news that you are struggling to deal with. You've had a breakup or you've had that job loss or perhaps it's just that life has got overwhelming. You've had children and your partner's actually the one that's working and your career is kind of sliding down the slope and you kind of just think, oh, right. You look around and there's kind of like there's you and there's all the tasks that you have to do and it's like, well... To get back to where I want to go, that's just too much like hard work. And this is what makes me really sad because I've seen this a lot with, especially with mums or women that have, you know, ended up taking a lot of the brunt of childcare or housework or whatever, is that you feel devalued because you're not the one earning all the money or you're not the one that's going out there with the career and and the challenges in our society that we have that link with financial gain and success and time is not as valued as as money. And time is as valuable, if not more valuable than finances. But it doesn't help that we are, I think I've mentioned this before, in a capitalist society where unless you have money, you can't facilitate certain things. And this is where power shifts can happen in relationships or as individuals, for example, if your partner is the one that earns more money um, or you've been through a situation where you've lost a lot of money, you know, not out of your own fault, Um or something has happened that you've you've lost a lot of that stability and that can be a massive confidence knock as well. And it is amazing how these small things can actually impact the thoughts that you have about what is possible. 
And this podcast is all about trying to help you really see the possibility, to really believe in yourself. No matter how shoddy and challenging your circumstances are, so much is possible based on how you think about yourself and your life. And I have learned that through everything, whether it's the injuries, the eating disorders, the depression, the divorce, the miscarriage, the jobs that haven't worked out, the business that didn't quite grow to what I thought it was going to get to. All these things, they can either completely wipe you out, which sometimes they do a little bit, or they can really be the things that you say, right, no, I'm going to overcome that. And I'm going to prove that I am so capable because look at this proof, look at this CV, look at what I've done. Everything that you have done in your life has value. And I think as well, this is especially for those of you that perhaps are in relationships where your partner does have a higher profile perhaps, or perhaps you've had a high profile in the past with your job and it's not where it used to be and it feels like it's impossible to get back to where that was and your confidence is really struggling as a result. And things like exercise can be the thing to help you get out of that, to help you realise how capable you are because it fuels that tank of you. It fuels that battery that you have to keep supercharging all the skills and the energy and the possibility and the belief in yourself to keep going. Because once you start to notch that up just a little bit, you can keep building on it. And it doesn't matter what techniques you use, whether it is through dissociation and it is through observing yourself and saying, almost like you're watching a game of chess, like, where am I going to move that next piece? What is going to come next? Okay, if I want to get to that part of the chessboard, what moves do I have to get to take to get there? If I want to get to the top of that mountain, what moves do I have to get do to get there? No one gets to the top of the mountain or wins a game of chess without making some moves. You know, unless you know, there's cheating, there's getting in the helicopter and going to the top or there's, you know, checkmate or whatever you can do in. I don't even know chess that well, to be honest. I shouldn't have used that as an example. But you know what I mean? There are steps. And the challenge sometimes is that when we have such high expectations on our own outcomes and our own successes and our own achievements, it can mean that when we are no longer able to match the same output or the same achievements or the same levels of success, we feel like a failure. And that becomes the inner dialogue. That becomes the louder voice. Well, what's the point? Why would you bother? And actually, it's about building the useful voice. And whether you give these these voices inside of you an identity or a part or a character, whatever it is, so that you can separate them, you can play with them, you can interact with them, you can talk to each other to understand what each part needs and wants. It's then you become this team. And every part, the concept of neuro-linguistic programming in most psychology, I think, well, actually, I, don't, I can't say that at all. I don't know why I said that. But from an NLP perspective is that all of these parts within you have positive intention. So even the inner voice that's saying, what's the point? Just sit on the sofa and don't do anything, which is fine, by the way. Like, don't worry about that. Like, I do that all the time. We need to do that to rest. But if it's something that you have become stuck in and you're not happy, then that needs to change. But that voice that's saying, no, just chill out, just rest might be trying to, to help you, might be trying to say, look, when you were doing so much before, you burnt out, you know, or you've got an inner voice that's saying, that's a rubbish effort, you should do way better than that. That inner voice has got you to where you are today. And thank you to a client this week who we were discussing this and and it was that realisation and that reminder that actually that those parts in us that give us a hard time have got us to great places. They are the parts that sometimes have really got us through those gnarly patches And so we need to listen to them because they have an intention that is really good. They're they're sometimes the real driving force. But the challenge comes is that if in your life you've hit a wall, whether it's with your health or you've got a personal situation that's challenging you or your emotions are a bit all over the place, you've got depression or whatever it is. And there's a part of you that says, I just can't do it anymore. I just can't do it. And that angry, not angry voice, but that kind of that voice that says, oh, my God, you're terrible. This is just awful. Is, is only because actually it knows that you've done you've done hard things before and you've overcome it and you've got to great new heights and it knows that you can and in a way it's just trying to help you but really what that voice needs right now is you what you need that voice to say is it's all right take the break so the other voice can go oh god thank god for that yeah all right I know that's what I've been saying all this time And so I don't know if that's got a bit confused with my trying to explain the different voices, which is why sometimes if you give them an identity, it can help um, a name, whatever it is, so you can separate it. 
or whether it's dissociating a little bit and playing it out on a screen in front of you or if it is just kind of turning your head in a different direction as you say the different types of words that are coming up inside of you imagining you're having that conversation because it is a conversation in your mind and it doesn't mean you're losing the plot it means that you're building a strong mindset it means you're building that strong inner belief and um, self-belief this comes a lot this comes up a lot with people that have had a lifestyle change so for example if you've become a mum or you've got a job that's suddenly taken over your life or perhaps you're um, you've got a job that has is suddenly working funny hours or you're an actor that is suddenly off on set and you don't have all your usual equipment or whatever um, it become it feels a bit futile to try and still put effort into your health and to exercise because it's like well before I could train for four hours not four hours but I could train for an hour four times a week and now I can only do 15 minutes twice a week there's no point in that because our you know if there is point in that should have taken a pause there um but the perception is that you need to do three or four hours a week for it to be good and that 10 or 15 minutes three times a week is not worth it and actually there's a reframe here that is very important because actually it's about well that time perhaps was what you had before but you don't have that time now you don't live that life now. And sometimes it's about drawing a line under wherever you were before to where you are right now. And it's saying, this is where I am right now. Perhaps it is that you are not happy in your body, that you feel demotivated, that you feel like there is just life is lethargic and meh. And you're thinking, but four years ago, I looked like this and I could do that. And I was on top of my game here. And I don't know how to get to that point because it feels impossible. And the problem is, is that you're not going backwards. You're going forwards. So you want to make everything about what can I do now? What can I do with what I have now to be able to move forwards, to be able to feel fitter and stronger, to be able to feel confident, to be able, if you want to, to lose weight or to gain weight and to not feel ashamed about saying that. And I've said this quite a lot recently, is that it's taken me a long time to be able to say these things because for a long time, after my eating disorder, especially as a PT, I was all about, well, we can't talk about weight loss, that's really bad. You know, that, that became like a real like, oh, but you know, accept yourself, which is true. You absolutely must accept yourself wherever you're at. It's a massive part of it. Self-compassion is huge. But if you're not happy because your lifestyle has changed and you've gained weight that you're not happy with and you feel sluggish and you don't feel good and you want to lose weight, do it. And say it though, accept it and say it. And know that as well, it, like that example that I gave from when I was six stone, you won't be happy whatever size you are until you also heal that relationship with yourself inside, until you also champion yourself from the inside. And the external is an absolute bonus. And the thing is, is that when you start to really focus on how you're feeling, you actually don't get as fixated on the external because you start to feel so good. Your confidence builds so much that the external stuff is just a byproduct because you're not even focusing on it anymore. You're focusing on the habits and the choices and the decisions and the beliefs and the identities that you're shifting into because you just feel so good. And you're making choices then almost easily to, to help support those um, those outcomes of those improved feelings. And the question I give to a lot of my clients is, you know, how do you want to wake up tomorrow? Before you do that workout and you're thinking, oh, it's only 10 minutes or it's only a 10 minute walk around the block. There's no point. Think, how do I want to feel tomorrow? Is this walk going to get me closer or further away from how I want to feel when I wake up in the morning? In six months time, I want to be whatever it is. Let's say I want to be on stage in a job doing my best feeling like I'm thriving, going home, feeling super proud of myself. Is this walk going to help me get there? Perhaps it's to do with your health. I want to feel stronger. I want to feel more energized. I don't want to feel sad like this about my body. I don't want to feel demotivated by my life. Is this stretch going to help me feel good? Is it going to help me move me? Is it going to help me move closer towards how I want to feel to that person I want to become? Generally, the answer is always yes, unless you've been overtraining, in which case it's rest that you probably need more of. But you will know that. You will know when your body's knackered. And this flip, I mean, this is the podcast for another day, is that permission to rest. I mean, that's a podcast last week, episode number six. You know, and again, it comes in, it does come into exercise. But a lot of the time, we just need to shift our goalposts. A lot of the time is that we're trying to fit goalposts that fit our life, get, you know, get a ball through the goalposts that fit our life 10 years ago. And we're not at that stage anymore. 
And when you start to say, this is where I am right now, oh my God, it is so empowering because it gives you the opportunity to say, right, what can I do from here? What is possible? How do I want to feel? Is it that I've had some extreme health challenges and I am so grateful to be where I am and I'm going to look after myself and I want to make sure I can do this for the long term? Like with my knee, I just can't run anymore. I miss running so much and sometimes I do still go for a run and it just it's a terrible idea because my knee kills me. I still needed the surgery. The knee is better for having had the surgery. Um, but for a personal trainer who used to love going running to deal with stress, not being able to run has been a massive thing to adapt to. And this is what I'm saying as well in terms of you don't have to do these high impact activities for it to be beneficial. You don't have to be training your, you, you know, slogging your guts out for it to be useful, for it to have an impact. And this whole perception of health and fitness has become extremely warped with the online world. And we all know it, but it's hard because we're seeing all these messages all the time and it feeds our subconscious brain that says, well, you need to look like that and you should do this. And so when we can't do these things, we feel like a failure. And so it's about proving to that inner voice as well that says it's not worth it to say, yeah, it is worth it. Look at all this stuff that I've overcome. Look at all this stuff I have achieved when I've felt my best. Look at how much I love doing this stuff. Look at how much I love going to a Zumba class or whatever it is. Like, what do you enjoy? That's super important. It's about really honing in on what you will be able to commit to because you enjoy it and you want to do it, not because some trainer online has said, right, well, you need to do five million burpees because that's going to be how you make your life a success. It's not to do with that at all. I'm all about encouraging you to push your boundaries and to push your limits. But ultimately, that is going to depend on where you're at in your life right now. If you've just had a baby, it's not going to be suitable for you to be training at a level that you will be in a year. But in order for you to train at where you want to be in a year, you need to build it up slowly. You need to climb that mountain step by step. You need to take your backpack with the snacks and take a rest every couple of, you know, meters up or whatever so that you can keep going, so that you can have health and well-being for the long term. And the concept of as well of like, how big is this mountain that you're creating? Is it, have you made it so big? Have you made the goal of what you want so massive that it's taking you, you're basically like either the perception of it is so big that it feels overwhelming and you just can't start or your end result, your desired end result is so big that you're not there every four or eight weeks and you give up and you start self-sabotaging because you think, oh, well, there's no point because I'm not where I want to be. And actually where you want to be might take maybe, what if it takes four years to get to where you want to be? What if you remember that as a timeline and you say, okay, well, I'm at this point now. Cool, I'm doing really well. I'm going to keep going. Because progress when it comes to fitness and whatever isn't linear, especially with exercise. And it's these small, tiny little tweaks with your perception and with the expectation that you have on yourself that will help you build confidence and self-belief you know, whether it is from going into a gym for a first time and that being terrifying um, for you, but you did it. And then the more you do that, the more confident you'll get, you know, and it's about as well, like I talked about it before, but, you know, have some, set yourself up for some, sorry, set yourself up for success. So if you are someone who is feeling very disconnected from your body, it's not going to be that you suddenly going rack up a 100 kilogram squat at the gym you might start with body weight squats getting up and down off a chair and this is where it's really useful to identify your levels of development which is a coaching kind of technique with NLP um, to understand where you want to basically jump in and focus some time and energy to help you feel confident when it comes to exercise. Oh my God, we're at 37 minutes. I'm really sorry. I think this episode might go on a bit longer. So keep enjoying it. It's a great episode. Right. So basically at the very basic level, we have our environment, right? So if you're someone that doesn't feel like you have an environment to train, it might be that you don't have somewhere to train. You don't have somewhere to exercise. You don't know where to do your exercise. So that might be an environmental factor that's holding you back. You don't want to go to the gym your behaviors might be something that's holding you back so you're avoiding working out perhaps you're procrastinating you're filling your time with other things you are maybe making choices that don't make you feel very good whether it's through your food your sleep your nutrition oh sorry that's food I do that every time uh, nutrition sleep or uh, lifestyle choices so things like alcohol for example um, that's making that's making it harder for you to to get some exercise in 
capabilities. You don't feel like you know what you're doing. You don't feel like you know how to um, go to a gym. You don't know how to do weights at home. Um, it's your beliefs potentially getting in the way. So like I've been saying, you know, what you can do in your perception isn't enough. You're not good enough. You don't have enough time. You um, can't think um, you can't do what you think you should do. You are, you don't believe that you are someone that is fit enough to exercise, for example. Um, which is not true, by the way, you get fitter through exercise, but this is a belief that can be true for you and it can be a challenging one. Um, or it's your identity. So like this links into that last point, but you don't see yourself as someone who exercises, um, all your health issues or challenges have become an identity. So you're someone that is now associating with the health challenges that you've had, um, or an injury that you've had and so there are now maybe fears that are also tied into that or it's become that thing that oh well I just this is how I live now and so it's about deciding where you can go in at those levels to be able to then make a change so if it's your environment I don't have somewhere to train what is possible is it that you join a gym is it that you need to look at your home environment and make and set it up in a way that you can train at home is it getting some gym equipment to be able to do that is it that actually you haven't looked at other environments you can go and exercise whether it's a walk in the park or um, a swim or something like that so your behaviors so avoiding working out procrastination filling time with other things what could you change with your behavior to help you to to train to exercise is it that actually it's about um you know planning a little bit more in advance is it about having some strategies in place so whether it's like having a um your gym kit out the night before so you've got a visual cue in the morning to get your gym kit on is it that you've got a musical track that you then also associate that so that you can also listen to some music to help get you in the mood is it a feeling that you can also connect to that in terms of okay well I want to feel really good and that's going to help drive my behavior to take change so with the capabilities, you don't know what to do. Is it that you need to go on YouTube and watch some, watch some videos? Is it that you um, have lost that kind of movement within your body and you need to just take it back a notch? And rather than trying to fling some weights around, it's actually about getting back into some stretching and some you know more gentle-based movements, more body weight movements, so that you feel capable and confident with the movements that you're doing. With your beliefs, is it that, for example, with time, is it that your concept of time with exercise, I don't have enough time as a, as a belief. I'm not saying that's not true because I know that time is a massive one. I mean, it's a struggle. But is it about reframing time and reframing the perception of time so that it is doable? Sure, it might not be 45 minutes anymore, but can you do 10? Is it that it's, you know, you are, you have become so entrenched in the belief that you can't exercise because of how you look that there is a belief that can change there that you can find other people that maybe look more like you or that are in a similar situation and see them exercising to realize that you also can exercise is it that you are someone that is able to um, really shift a belief that anything anything counts that every little helps so those beliefs, those thoughts that you have, that's about really chatting to that inner voice and, and shifting something to enable you to then take action. Is it linked to your identity? So when it comes to someone that doesn't exercise um, or your health issues have become an identity, or for example, you don't see yourself, this just comes up a lot with clients as someone who exercises or someone that wears shorts in the summer or you don't identify as someone that runs. And that's because you've got an image associated with that identity that is stopping you from inhabiting that identity because you don't look like that person or that thing or whatever. And so it's about saying, well, anyone can be an athlete. Anyone can train. Exercise doesn't mean you have to be ripped. You know, someone that exercises is someone that just puts on clothes that enables them to exercise. And you start doing that and then you start inhabiting that identity. And then that becomes you and you become the identity. And so it's about playing with all of these things. And it's I've probably been a bit ambitious trying to fit all this into one episode because this is something as well that, you know, I work with on a one-to-one level. So this is very general advice and I hope you're able to um, pick out bits from it to help you on an individual level. And, you know, you know where I am if you want that more personalised support. But these, these kind of um, 
these concepts are so powerful when it comes to exercise, finding the time, seeing time differently, seeing yourself differently, knowing that over time, the more you do it, you will build confidence because you're building proof that you're able to do it. Um, And that self-belief will also build because your body will change. Even if it is five minutes once a week, that break from work, that break of identity, that break of environment, that getting out from your desk, that getting into the fresh air, that getting into nature, that listening to different music or listening to this podcast or listening to a different podcast, which helps you to wake up feeling better the next day, which helps you to make choices in your day with your nutrition and food. I say that all the time. (laughs) Nutrition. I'd say nutrition and food because nutrition, I think sometimes I've seen people wince when I talk about nutrition because they find it boring or scientific. But actually, this again, a podcast for another day, your your nutrition is paramount to how you feel and it doesn't have to be boring and scientific. And I find scientific stuff very overwhelming as well. So, you know, actually, it doesn't need to be overwhelming. It can be very, very simple. And, um, you know, I'm also a nutrition coach, so I'll feed more into that in, in information around that into this po- this podcast moving forwards. But these things are all tangible aspects of your lifestyle that you can tweak to change your identity, to shift into the person you want to become so that you have that power within you to show up however you want to in the world. And it all starts with those small little tweaks in your mindset. It is mind blowing by you know, with what you can achieve when you believe you are capable. And if your confidence is knocked, that can feel very, very vulnerable. And if that's where you are right now, I commend you for acknowledging it because you can't also overcome this stuff without saying, oh, wow, I don't feel good right now. I really don't feel like myself. And I think this is especially hard if you're type A type personality, maybe your career has really skyrocketed at times and you felt so good. And then you've had something that's come and knocked you sideways, where it's whether it's health or career orientated, you know, maybe the work dried up, maybe it's having a baby and your identity shifts into that kind of stereotypical mum role. Um, and you feel like you're in the shadow of your former self. Maybe it's a divorce, maybe it's a breakup, maybe it's something completely left field with your health or your family. And it's completely knocked your perception of yourself. And so this is me saying to you, you can you can move forwards beyond this. And it's not about going back. It's about drawing that line and saying, this is where I am right now. Wow, how much potential I have moving forwards. It's about making that mountain climbable. You know, if that mountain feels massive, then start with a small molehill. Get to the top of that molehill and then say, yes, I'm putting my flag in the top of this molehill. Look at what I have done. Because the, you know, the concept of what you've overcome is massive because you've been through hell and back, you know, and to give yourself credit for that and to tell that inner critic or to show that inner critic and to negotiate with that inner critic that says, you can do better than that to say, no, hang on, look at what I have overcome. Look at where I am. Look at what I have done. And over time, that communication that you have with that inner voice, you'll become that team. You will become that, that, that strong team together and you will still have battles perhaps with it but as soon as you start to see the voices that you have going on inside of you as um, as everything having a good intention it becomes more like a dialogue and less like an attack against each other because as we know from communicating with our family and our friends and our partners when you're shouting at each other no one wins you just get annoyed or it ends in kind of really awkward territory um if you are in that place where you listen and you respond and it's not easy necessarily, it can be very uncomfortable, but you're honest and you hear it and you let it settle and it feel you feel the things and then you approach it from a, you try the different perspectives of yourself, you try the different perspectives of that separation from what you're seeing, from the choices you're making and you say, okay, well, actually you do have a point. I know I'm I know I'm capable of so much, but also right now with where I'm at in my life, I feel a bit fragile. So can we just be a bit nicer to me, please? Can we just give me a break? And can we really celebrate what I'm achieving here? Because actually going for that 10 minute walk around the block was like real, that was quite an achievement. So that you can then really start to build that that inner connection to yourself, to build that inner cheerleader. And so the concept of time then actually becomes, wow, I've got loads of time because I've let go of the idea that four years ago I could train for three or four hours, five times a week or whatever it was. And now I'm like, okay, well, I can do 10 minutes twice a week. Wow, that's loads more than what I was doing last week because last week I didn't think I could do anything. 
And then it's about tweaking your lifestyle and, and setting yourself up for success with the strategies and going in at those levels so that you can really understand what you want to spend more time on to help you to integrate more exercise or to enjoy exercise more or to look forward to it or to see it as something that is going to enhance your life. And, you know, notice here I haven't bought into any of the guidelines about things like the NHS and, and stuff like that. You can go to the NHS website and look at the guidelines for exercise. And yes, there are scientific things that we need to consider. We need to do strength training. We need to we need to do cardio. We need to do this stuff for our health. And going back to what I was saying at the beginning of the episode, when we don't have our health, life is hard. And it is not about being perfect at health. All you type A's, I see you. <laughs> You know, it's not about being extreme about it. It's about saying, well, how am I also going to enjoy my life alongside alongside challenging myself and pushing myself? Yeah, I'm going to have a glass of wine if I, you know, if you if you drink, if I want it or a bar of chocolate or whatever. But I'm also going to say, right, well, 90 percent of the rest of the time I'm going to put my health first and I'm going to try and eat really well. I'm going to try and exercise where I can. I'm going to drink my water. I'm going to go to bed early and I won't have that glass of wine when I don't really want it. You know, so that you've got that freedom without the rules to also live your life based on your intuition alongside the guidance and the goals that you want to achieve. So, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm like, there is so much. 50 minutes. Oh my days, you guys. Thank you for still listening if you're still here. Um, Hopefully you are because I think this is a very valuable episode. But, you know, there is so much in this. And I think if you do feel like you're someone that doesn't know the how, see about investing in the help. There is nothing wrong with seeking help and there are so many coaches out there that will help you that once you find the right one for you, whether it's someone like me who can combine all of these things with confidence coaching, life coaching, fitness, nutrition, whatever, you can pick out the certain bits or whether it is a, a one-to-one personal trainer that you find to help you. It's the accountability as well that really makes a difference. We all need help and there is no failure in asking for help. I have spent thousands of pounds and hours in investing in help for my own therapy, my own coach, um, you know, my own courses and training. I only know all this stuff because I'm a qualified personal trainer, yoga teacher and nutrition coach. And from years of also paying to go to those types of classes, I've spent 30 odd years playing sport. You know, that's an investment. And it doesn't mean that you aren't capable of doing that. But don't be afraid to invest in it. Don't be afraid to say, I'm worth this. I am worth this time and this money because it's going to help me feel good, which is going to help me personally and professionally. It's going to help me thrive. I'm very passionate about this topic. Can you tell? Anyway, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. Come and follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm at clubthrive underscore. Um, Come and say hi. Come and ask questions. If you need help setting up, anything at home, message me and I'll help you if I can. Set yourself up for success. Make sure that you're not comparing yourself to an Im- a perfect image of fitness across like 50 different bodies and you've just picked out all the best bits of someone's body. Don't do that. Don't try and fat spot your body. You can't, that means that you can't basically decide you want to lose fat on from a certain area of your body. Focus on the mental health and the physical benefits that exercise can bring you and you'll find that you're able to fit it in easily you'll enjoy it it won't become a torturous thing it will become something you do because you want to do it because it helps you feel good prioritize it don't feel bad about prioritizing it don't feel bad about saying to your partner I'm going to go do my workout now just tell them you're going to go do it don't ask for permission oh that's a topic for another day get your music on whatever makes you energize whatever gives you that space to be you connect to it give yourself time for it don't feel bad for it you need it it helps you it's going to help you thrive anyway (laughs) sending you lots of love i hope you have a great week and it's you know all of this stuff it's not a sacrifice it's not don't be afraid of discipline don't be afraid of the of the stuff that will help bring you structure and great things in your life And if discipline is not a good word for you, then discard it and find a word that is useful for you so that it puts you back in the picture of your life. Okay, have an amazing week. (laughs) 53 minutes. God. Okay, please rate, review, share. Thank you so much. Speak to you soon. Bye.